the drive, step back in the air. Oh, let me step back and oh, kiss my. myself. Big time plays, big, wow. big time plays. And we are up. What's going on, everybody? This is a happy Father's Day special. I am your host for today, this week, next week, last year, and until they cut my fucking lights off. Uh, it is your boy, Vanessa Velli, and I am here himself by the man that can lift more than 700 pounds. Don't get him on that, though. You know, he may not want to do it. And he can also date your wife. Uh, my boy, Duff No Big. What's up with y'all, man? It's definitely very you can follow me on. on Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me on any of your respective platforms where I'll be trolling that. And today, as you know, there's a third person in our, our weird anonymous like square boxes, but we have another person who's been in Los Angeles, Washington, whatever DMV, whatever's the difference, LA, Philadelphia, New York, out of Harlem. He's an H Town cat himself. My boy Doc Lou Allen. Doc Lou Allen, what's going on, man? Appreciate for having me. I'm doing well. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth Day. Love. Oh shit, yeah, we're it's definitely Juneteenth Day. We we gonna get it. We gonna get into Juneteenth. I'm off. <laughs> I'm off tomorrow for Juneteenth. Oh, we are gonna get into that. We are gonna get into that. So I mean, at, our podcast really isn't you know interview style, but I do you know I do want to let people know like just just go ahead and go into what you do, who you are, and I got a couple questions, but like we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of some fun shit today. So just go ahead. Floor is yours. Um, my real name is Doc Juan Llewellyn, but I just go by Doc because people pronouncing my first name could get um, annoying. Like, I don't know. They'd be mis- mis- saying that. I don't got time to correct everybody. And Doc just flows better when you see it. It looks better, like, on bylines. I'm from born and raised in Harlem, New York, like, original, like, Harlem, New York. I'm not like um, like the rappers you see who may live in the Bronx, but lived in Harlem for two years. Like, I was born and raised. Harlem Hospital, went to high school. Well, I went to Carnegie Hayes High School, it's an old boys Catholic school. It was in the Bronx, mm-hmm. but it's right, it's basically Harlem, like one stop away is Harlem. So um, went to Catholic school my whole life. Um, I mean, that don't really mean nothing, but in New York, it's like a uh, Catholic school in New York is, is different than Catholic yeah. school anywhere else, I feel like, or maybe Philly. Philly probably the same, but people go, black people, we go to Catholic school because that's where like the sports teams is, like the football teams. and. Um, basketball or like the the team. So, um, but if I went to public school, the teams is not in like a high enough division. Like I was, like I always want to play basketball and football. So, um, and when I first went to Hayes, the first sport football season come first. So I, I made a football team, tried out, and everything made it. Started on both sides, but it's my first time putting on pads. So then um, I realized I wasn't. Once you put those pads on, it's a little different. I'm like, yeah, let me go, let me go talk about sports now. I because I <laughs> yeah. basketball, basketball was over already. I couldn't because by the time basketball season came and trying out, my body was so soft. Them, them practices in football is different, man. I I remember you have to really wake up. We had two a days. I'm like, yeah, I ain't I'm not trying out for basketball. And then my I don't think my grades were slipping because I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna tell you how type of student I was. Um I always I, type of student I am, I just like to get by like um I had goals, so my goals was to like be what I'm doing now, but one day be on TV doing it, like maybe like ESPN or Fox Sports, whatever. Talking about sports, but um, I always had goals, and I never took school like serious. I never seen a difference in definitely in high school or college where like you getting straight A's, valedictorian, and I'm getting a C. I have to take diploma, you know. Once you got to college, you being valedictorian, okay, that's cool. You ran for Mr. Whatever, Mrs. Whatever, you as class president is cool. 
I graduated a C, you graduate with an A plus. These jobs don't ask for that at all. So I, I just always wanted to do the eat, have fun, and do the easier. I'll take the C, and I'm good. But um, so yeah, I, I learned that from George Bush, though. I <laughs> he, he said that one time. I know he not, but I learned it from him. Um, graduate. You're probably from, the only person that learned something from George Bush. But go ahead. <laughs> I benefited off of George Bush. No child left behind. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> easy route. Right? Yeah, I had a very easy route. Graduated from Hayes, went to um, two-year school originally, got my associates. Then I went to Hayes, imagine mass communications. Graduated from there. My first job out of there, I worked at a, um, actually my first job was the summertime. So I usually graduated in May. I got my first job in June. I worked at the Sixers camp. I'm um, at the Sixers camp. I did, uh, I worked out with the uh, international players. Um, this did like, what I did, I basically like a coach for them, like assistant coach. And just working out, workouts. It was it was a, like a summer camp thing. Then um, I went my my real first job I called full time was working at um, a TV station called Newsmax. Now they call that the Trump Station. I didn't at that time it wasn't the Trump Station at first, but um, that's that's just what it turned into. I left there for reasons. Went to overtime. That was like one of my my favorite jobs working at the overtime um, because. They was like all my age. Like my boss probably was 27 and his boss was 29. It was crazy. Mm. At that time I was 23, probably 24. So it was like we were all the same age. Those people, I was doing um, an overtime app at the time. It was a new app. Um, it's, it's out. It's still out to, to this day. But yeah. when I first started, I was one of the first five writers on the app. So we launched the app and um, then I was covering basketball games. Um, until maybe like March, cause Corona hit. Once Corona hit, um, I was. Um, this is what. Oh, I was still in New York, by the way. Mm-hmm. Corona hit, and I was like, "Damn!" I my mom was getting annoying. She was. Like, I couldn't just stay in my mom's house no more. Like I needed to just get out. So after yeah. um, like around September, I was like, "Let me just go to Delaware," because I went. I went to Delaware if I could be in the middle between D.C., um, Baltimore. Philly and South Jersey. All of those areas had sports teams. So um, I moved to Delaware to be in the middle, got the job at MC Sports. So I never lived in DC. I just traveled there to go to work. So I traveled like an hour and 40 minutes to go to work. DC, I was working with the Washington football team, the Washington Capitals, and the Washington Wizards. After that, I went to, I worked at the Delaware News Journal for like a fellowship. that's when I got like my real like journalism. And then I ended up at PHL seventeen. Somebody is life is being saved right now. Oh my gosh! But um, I want I want to go back a little bit. So you know, you were talking about working for overtime. Now, when I was in high school, a lot of things were new, right? I, I was in high school from twenty twelve to twenty sixteen. So it's like yeah. you had before then it was really only ESPN. But now you had the boom of Bleacher Report. Even when I was on Bleacher, started on Bleacher Report, like it was still relatively new. You had overtime, you know, and then you started having all these other little things pop up, you know, like Ball's Life, all these other things. So just talk to me a little bit about like how, you know, you said your boss, that's a whole different work environment to places you've probably been where everybody is under 30. You know, it's definitely a crazy work environment. I've been in places where my oldest boss was like 32. And that I know from where, you know, where I've worked then, to like how things may look currently, it's like that's that's a completely different work environment. Like, did you enjoy doing that? Like, explain to me how like your work life balance was with that. Yeah. So 
working overtime is crazy. A lot of these jobs I had was remote. I just got lucky, and this is before COVID. I don't know. Mm. So, so overtime was a remote job because we worked on the digital app. So I was just, I was. They would give us, um, they lead pass description. I'll watch the game, and then I would just analyze it to tell them what I saw, what I seen, who's the key contributors, but in the overtime voice. Um, I did like it um, because we all had, they understood and they understand the mindset, but I, for me, um, I'm just different in my mind. I didn't want, I felt like it was a little, I don't say easy, but I wasn't going to get better and upgrade my career at um, overtime because um, like, I feel like overtime is better when you older and you want to come to there and then kind of like, I'm going to say chill, but it's more like, um, like it's not, it's not the same. It's just not the same work environment as you working at ESPN or Fox or NBC because they want you, like they want to be more like, like old school, like overtime is like more chill. Like, you know, if you want to relax, like you don't have to, they like, they good. Like I remember the first time June, when June team happened, and looked out. It was like now you, you you could be off. Like they would they like they like today. Like they 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 take care of their people. But um, but you I don't for me as a young person coming in, I don't think I was gonna get better at being like a journalist or something. That's not what they are. They're not newspaperish. Like they're not. Uh, I'm doing a video package and I'm interviewing a guest like that. I wasn't gonna get better there at that. So uh, mm-hmm. that's why I felt like it's just based off of what you. I feel like I'll be maybe like 20 years from now going back to overtime and being like the um the vp or something yeah because you already know you're not you're not doing nothing like crazy like it's so for you it just wasn't a lot of upper mobility for you like that's more so like people's final stop rather than the first stop almost i feel like it should be people's final stop than first stop yeah because you're not gonna you're not gonna get better for real because you gotta understand like Honestly, if my, I told you my boss is probably like 29. What I was going to learn from a 29-year-old or 27-year-old as my boss? I'm 24. He just started, too. You didn't, you didn't mm-hmm. experience journalism back in the 80s and 90s when it was at its height. Like, you're just saying, like, it's certain things where uh, people might over, like, overlook. Like, think about, like, Skip Bayless, how he always talking about past mm-hmm. experience. Like, a person like me, I probably wouldn't be able to be on Fox Sports or ESPN yet, even though people think they could do the job. The reason that is because the the past matters. So when you could bring up old stuff and and people be like, then you was there for that, they look at you differently. And and I, I just felt like that that matters. So I, I just feel like the past do matter. And you know you not a lot of history, you gotta get that history. I'm glad you brought that up. And the reason why is because like I'm a huge and so is uh Duff, he could probably talk to it as well. Like I, I engulf myself almost it's almost sick how much i love like basketball and wwe yeah but but i'm talking about like more like real, real time like live sports like it's almost sick how much i love basketball but the thing that i'm seeing now a lot of the times is when like you know you'll have nba players and it's like as soon as they retire you know they get a job as an analyst whereas yeah. though like and, and and that kind of bothers me a little bit only because like granted you played the game you know the game you've been experienced in the game but if you look at roads like Hell, Skip Bayless has been doing this for 50 years. You know, Skip Bayless don't have no kids because he told his wife, I'm not having no kids so I can do my job. Stephen A was a beat writer for 25 years. So as long as I've been alive, Stephen A was in locker rooms asking questions. You know what I mean? And, and then like you have people like Michael Wilbon, 
I don't know if other people have been doing this for 30, 40 years. You get one guy who played ACs in the NBA, and now he's in a suit talking about sports. And for me, for that, for that art, like, because for me, you have my dream job. You know what I mean? Talking about talking about sports and all that type of stuff. But it's just like for those athletes that come out of it, and you know, some of them may be Hall of Famers, some of them may just be average people, and some of them don't need to be talking like Pat Patrick Beverly. It's just more so like, how does that feel? You know, for you, in terms of you know, having this profession, having this career lineage almost. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like, I like that you brought that up. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of basketball play just because you play the game don't mean, you know, the game, like, is like, I'm saying a lot of people was born, I'm going to say they're born at the time, but you worked hard to play ball. Anthony Edwards even said it. I never watched basketball before. I'm just good at it. Like he, he said it. I was old mouse. He's a rookie. He's, he's really a good rookie. So you don't, guys don't really know basketball and they always, and then the same thing like um, Patrick Bailey, for example, he would he would tell he would say like Stephen A. Smith is being biased towards the, but you'd be biased towards players too to people that you like. So it's like it's still the same thing. You're not gonna be like you were so biased versus Chris Paul, but then when it came to someone else, I forgot who he did. Somebody I forgot, but maybe I don't know. It was Draymond? It was somebody who he liked, or he kind of defended him. Like yo, like come on, like you just defended him because you like him and you don't want to get his bass out. And the thing. Thing about players talking about sports, I just ignore them. Some people, some players know what they're talking about, but like, come on, it's a reason why Charles Barkley and Shaq and them was on TNT. But Kenny knows basketball, so Kenny holds it down. But those mm-hmm. two is kind of like comedic act activate. So it's like, um, like it kind of it kind of just meshes. Like you, you, you know, Shaq and and Charles. They, they Charles sometimes say some good stuff, but then sometimes be like, come on, Charles. Like, you gotta sift through a lot of his bullshit. Yeah, yeah. like you have to. And, and so it's like the players. I always say this, even when I was in high school, because my the best player at my high school, um, he went to go play at St. Joseph's and everything. But I was like, yeah, they don't know basketball. Like I couldn't have an argument with him over basketball because, um, but over the NBA, let me say that over NBA, they could argue about basketball, but they can't argue about NBA. That's totally different conversations, right? Yeah. Because the NBA. You you really have to watch it, understand. It's more than just playing the game. The upstairs part, the VPs. If you you got to understand the chain, and that's why everybody who's like a young journalist or people who want to come in talking about sports in a way or anything is talking about news. I try to explain to them the totem pole of how everything works and how discussions work, and then you can understand like why certain players and um, how certain players are. Um, the GMs, what the GMs do, what's the difference between the GM and the VP of basketball operations? Like, you know, it's, it's different, it's different tales and, and the politics behind it. That's why a lot of these guys don't understand the politics. It's, it's politics, isn't it? <laughs> the two, the two most, the, the two most thing that's, that's, that runs America is politics, like real politics, Democrat, Republican, and sports. Those are two things that run America right there. And they, they both is hand in hand. A lot of people don't see it or know it because they they think it's different, but it really is. Think about it. The NBA is Democrat. The NFL is Republican. Don't let that go over your heads. The NBA is is, is Democrat, and the NFL is Republican. You can see which 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 um teams why the NFL don't have no black coaches. Like you know, it's it's stuff like that. You just gotta gotta see, but and understand. A lot of people know that. A lot of people they won't say it, but they know it. So yeah. I, I guess go ahead, though. Oh no, I was definitely agreeing with him, especially on the point like uh like NBA players that just hop right into media, like the new media thing that everybody's talking about now. Like this is this one NBA player that podcast I respect a lot. 
but he he does it so brilliantly. Is uh, JJ Reddick? He has the best podcast yeah. out of all NBA players. But when it comes to everybody else, because you just like you said, like the NBA is like a system where like I like hearing NBA players talk about skills and how they can like get to a basket. I don't care about how they feel about specific teams because you always yeah. gonna have a bias towards them. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's never gonna be honest. It's never gonna be honest commentary coming from an NBA player unless they was like extremely washed. And like, all right, I didn't have no. I was a bench player for thirty years, so I can talk on it. Right, and and that's and that's the thing I want. I'm bringing about the politics. It's like just understanding that if you play in the NBA, just know that you got to be kind of on like what Democrat values are. So if you mm-hmm. want to, like LeBron James, you want to own a team, don't like you got to be. You can't be like, um, what is it, the abortion stuff? Like you know, things like that. Yeah. You just you got to know. Mark Jackson, the reason Mark Jackson can't get that coaching guard because you you didn't feel type of way about gay people. Now, yeah. now look, you yeah. can't, the NFL, you probably would have got away with that, but you don't that don't fly in the NBA. And that's why people gotta understand the difference in that you, you I, I'm it's a lot of game, man. But um that's just that's just something right there where like things just go with people's heads. But um yeah. You talked about something that was interesting, and I'm I'm starting to see that almost full circle in terms of everywhere that has some sort of like opinion. Prime example, we're not really gonna touch on it, but like stand-up comedian jobs are really, really at like a tumultuous step because, you know, you had Will Smith, how he acted in the Oscars, the Grammys, whatever the hell it was, you know? And then now we have Kevin Durant, who is basically like the Will Smith of the NBA, you know, having one to pick a fight with every single reporter who's just doing their job and their job is to give their opinion over analytics and, and analysis. So like when, when you as like, you know, at some point was a reporter, as a journalist, as a columnist, whatever it may be, how do you feel about those players like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, who feel like they are kept Kyrie Irving, who don't feel like they owe it to the media to actually answer their questions when in reality, they're just doing their job. Um, well, um, Kevin Durant situation, um, he 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 kind of being outlandish and I like the Kevin Durant back in OKC, you know, before he got cocky with Golden State because um, he was he was just an assassin killer. He never talked. I, it's like it's like one day he just woke up, turned up, put a Golden State jersey on to say, "Yeah, I'm gonna talk. I'm just gonna keep talking." Before he never used to do that. He was really a quiet assassin. So it's crazy to see that, but. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. That's the game, you know. The game, the game is they're gonna act like they don't want you to ins- to say certain stuff. But a lot of these guys, like even six, like you know, this is certain situations when they will come to you and if they management might send you something and like it's different. It's different. It's like it's a game, man. They want you to say stuff. Like when Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith says sources and people in KD's camp says something. He really is getting from KD's camp, but KD now got to come out and say, no, that's not true. Da, da, da. He got to combat with it to make it seem real. It's, it's just politics, man. This thing, it goes deep. I'm telling you, a lot of these, think about a guy like Stephen A. Smith and Skip a who got connections. So when they say they're not going to, man, they came from a journalism background. So they're not going to just say something without having a, a fact source to it. So if you're going to come out and say it's not true, like people in the journalism, people like we know it's true because he's not going to just say that. He's not going to say it on TV here. Like just like I won't write that in an article, but he, but KD has to say has to combat with it and say that we crazy and while well, they crazy and things in that manner because 
that's just the game. Like, you know, he can't make it seem too hot. And also on that point, though, on KD's side, a lot of people do KD kind of feel betrayed. Like, I understand, like, I have people in the NBA, well, let me not say people, more like on the Sixers side who I trust, who I personally, I won't talk bad about. So, so because I just, again, like, you feed me information, I I thank you, bro. Like, I'm not going to say bad about you. I might, I might attack your teammate, but I'm not going to attack you. And if I always say people, if you read my rights, you can see which players I'm talking about, which, which plays who was on my side. But um, but but then but then for like KD example, he probably felt like Stephen A. Smith was on his side. So then when he see that Stephen A. Smith go out, he'd be like, "Yo, bro, what's up with you?" Like, and, and then and then he's probably telling his king like, "Yo, stop giving him stuff because he's not good no more." So that's so that's how arguments come and be start. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, so. I have to bring it up. You know, you you did work for the Washington Wizards. Now, now, and you did you did do a couple of articles and all that for them. Now, my question was, how, how did you keep that information like fresh and new? You know, especially when a team that really didn't really win much or have a lot of success. Like, like, walk me through that process. Was that hard or? Well, for the Washington Wizards, I never technically had a byline, but they had me as a production assistant. Um, do more like like mass column work. So you do kind of say the position kind of called like communications coordinator when you like, so it would be a, like a press conference, let's say mm. before a pregame and Westbrook would talk. Cause this is when Westbrook was there. So this is when Westbrook or Bill would talk. So I probably had to transcribe what they say and then put it in a different sense, like it, it, things like that. So I never, I wasn't a byline, but for the Wizards, it was, they made the playoffs that year. But um, the storyline for them was Russell Westbrook is always a storyline. So, but I didn't take the approach of bashing them. Everybody takes that approach. So when you have certain stars, that's why teams be one stars because that's keep the energy going. So it keeps the reporters writing, the local reporters writing, and it and it keeps the um, the tickets going in and out. Like it's always a storyline. Like teams need a storyline behind them because. No storyline, you won't get on TV. No storyline, you don't get paid ads. And it's just things in that manner. But um, Westbrook's storyline was that they try to make it seem like he was a bad. But Westbrook Westbrook wasn't bad with the Wizards that year. But he, I watched him practice. Like, when he went to the Lakers, I told everybody, like, the Lakers wasn't going to make the playoffs. Really? I watched, him, I watched him in practice too much. And he, was, he would miss shots in practice. Like, nobody guarded him. Like that means something. Like you practicing before the game, you backing down. The dude is pushing you, and you missing shots. He missed. And mind you, I work for NBC Sports Washington, so um, the way it works for uh, NBC Sports Washington, they kind of own the Wizards in a way where we can see all their practices. Even though we're not watching Wizards employees, we basically are because I don't know. We get their whole hive, the communications thing. We set up the Zoom. Everything they air is on NBC Sports Network. So. So it was just like a great inside. I like that job because I saw the inside of everything, locker rooms and players, um, so practice. So. Could you go a little bit more into like Russell Westbrook's mannerisms? Because that's going to be the talk of the summer. It's going to be the talk of next year. And hell, it was basically, even during the NBA Finals, you know, there was there was talk of just Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. So like, walk me through what you saw before the Lakers got him. He, um... He 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 is a fun guy though. He's he's fun. The, the thing about Westbrook is, um, I think that 
I think what people don't like about Westbrook and um, I understand because not everybody, you guys are from Philadelphia, right? Yeah. So I'm from Harlem, from Philly. He's from LA. Like, you know, us city kids, we have, we grew up differently. We grew up differently. So I understand Westbrook and I could deal with, like if Westbrook was here with all of us, we could have a conversation where we'd be good. The problem with Westbrook is he has to learn how to turn down that city atmosphere. You know, like we understand what that means. But a lot of other people don't understand that. They don't get it. They're not going to get Westbrook. And it is kind of, it's kind of like Draymond a little bit. But it's it just that he just needs to learn how to turn it, turn it down and when to turn it on and off and how to play the game. The best person at playing the game at turning it on and off is Dwell and B. Oh, my God. And B behind closed doors, you wouldn't believe it. But in front of the camera, yeah. he's a guy. But so Westbrook needs to learn to do that. But Westbrook's going some I don't care. And as I try to explain to um, other people, like my friends, stuff when we argue about Westbrook, I'm like, the difference between Westbrook and Curry is that Curry grew up middle class, good his whole life. So Curry, in his mind, feel like, yo, I had to be great and go further than just this. Westbrook don't feel that way because he felt like, yo, me just being here is good. Mm -hmm. like I made Harden, it already. Yeah, hardest mindset. I made it like me just being here is good. Like I don't think like and I used to have an argument. I always put Iverson in my top ten um, best basketball players, not NBA, but best basketball players because of he does. He's another player people don't understand because he wasn't supposed to be there. People don't remember he got arrested at the bowling alley. Back in high school, no mm -hmm. team, no college wanted him. Everybody forget he had to do two years in Georgetown. Only Coach Thompson picked him up. He, he entered the NBA at 21 years old. Everybody else, Kobe and him, Garnett, they just went at 17. So people thought he got washed, but you got to say he came at 21 already. So yeah. really do the math, 06, that's nine years. But if he would have came a little earlier, he would have lasted to 2012, 2010. But he, it didn't happen because he came no. already old enough in. And a lot of people don't understand Iverson because Iverson mindset was like, damn, why everybody, well, he don't, all Iverson knows Virginia. Why everybody so mad? Why all the media keep so mad about how I dress? Why the media so mad about how I talk? Why the media so mad about why I say this? Like, I'm just a kid making it. I'm just glad to be making millions of dollars right now. His mom kissing like, you. He, he thinks, in Iverson's mind, yo, me taking care of my mom, my mom's good, my family's good. That's the best thing in the world. But the NBA and, you know, the, People who wasn't born that same way look at it. Oh yeah. no, you, you're a great player. You average thirty points. Why are you not a winner? Like he's not looking at it like that. Yes, <laughs> tell the two stories. Yeah, I was having that conversation with uh, with some with some folks uh, in like Twitter space. I was I was going off, and I felt like that's a great space where you want to just like get your rocks off and just want to just be a little arrogant about what you know or whatever yeah. like that. I love I love going in there and dropping gems. But one thing one thing that I said that was really important was just like. Not everybody, to your point, Doc, not everybody in the NBA wants to win a championship. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, prime example, like, Melo could have had a chance in 2014, 15, one of those years, Houston, Chicago, Miami prior. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to sign this deal for $130 million and I'll never have to worry about money again. And I, even though I may not win shit, that's why now you see he's chasing a ring at, like, a million years old, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can't move his feet past a brick of lettuce. You know what I mean? So, like, those it's type of things. because they finally mature at that age, though. By the time they get old and they can't play, they probably be like, 
damn, now I understand people was talking about they understand too late. And then that it's kind of like a rapper's mindset where it's like, yo, you made so much money early on and now you mature now. You you did you you you, you did every girl already. <laughs> you made the most money you could already. Now it's like, damn, you got kids like, I ain't gonna lie, yeah, I'm mature now. Like, but now it's over. <laughs> it's not yeah. the same no more. You can't no. you can't chase the same accolades that you once had the yeah. chance to chase. Yeah. That's what Westbrook is doing. That's why I said I always told people Westbrook is not gonna do because now Westbrook went that ring and want to be home, but it's not gonna work that way because now you're not the same Westbrook. No. And, mm-hmm. and you now you mad because and what made it even worse, you in LA. Like if you would have been somewhere else, it'd have been different. Now you're in LA. That that's like being in New York, that camera time different. You, yeah. that, you, you, he wants to be the star of the team. So if he, if he would have stayed back and not want to be the star so much and changed his game, then maybe. But that's not Westbrook. If Russell Westbrook had a jump shot, he would be a million times better. But you know, it's just like yeah. just, just, just. There's so many, there's so many forced issues with like the whole West, the whole Russell Westbrook product. You know what I mean? Because when, when I when I heard that that the Sixers, I'm excuse me, not Sixers, the Lakers getting Russell Westbrook, in my mind, I was like, why? You know, because anybody anybody that has watched basketball or even been in the realm of basketball, they see those triple doubles. But if you actually watched those Thunder games and you watched those Wizards games and you watched how some of those offensive schemes were t- were tailored to get those triple doubles, I'm sitting back. I'm like, how the hell is a guy that playing with LeBron James who thrives with you know corner shooters and some you know jack of all trades shooting guard? gonna work with Russell Westbrook. I said there's no way in hell. You want a championship with Dwayne Wade, you want a championship with Kyrie Irving. Russell Westbrook is in no same stratosphere as those two folks, even though personally yeah. I don't really like Kyrie Irving, but you can't get that done. Yeah, yeah, it's done. Yeah, it's too tough. But it, it, LeBron and, and LeBron is not always I don't know you got LeBron LeBron's not really the same either as no. he, he can't carry a team the same way he did. Um so he needs help. So that's why too. That's the number. Yeah. I wanna I wanna get on the fact because today is Father's Day. Today's definitely Father's Day. And it's a lot of things going on right now. We got Father's Day and Juneteenth all in the same like stratosphere. And I want I wanted to ask you too, you know, how do you feel about Father's Day? Because I'm driving, I drove to the mall before before this episode. I don't see no happy Father's Day shit. I don't see no nothing. I don't see no, not a damn thing. But Lord God, when, when when it's Mother's Day, you know there's flowers, there's teddy bears, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that. I don't see anything. Like, I don't know if, if you're a father, Doc. I'm not a father. I know Duff's not a father that we don't know of yet. You know, okay. there's, a lot, there's a lot of women that love him. But, um, but talk to me a little bit about that. Like, why is there so less love from fathers? Yeah, I'm not a father. And um, <laughs> I just, I'm just not, not going to know of. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, now that we know, uh, we don't know, man. Little dogs running around. <laughs> I hope not, man. But um, the it's crazy. Um, R.T. Kevin Samuels. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Talk, talk. It's just interesting. Um, I mean, like he said, sometimes being a, that's why being a man is just being a man is hard. And um, you're never going to get the praise the same as you would because everybody expects you. Like, nobody thinks that men really got feelings or, yeah. like, they, they use women. It's, people use um, that concept between men and women equal and stuff like that when it's beneficial. 
You know, it's not when it's not beneficial. That conversation go out the door. Like you know, a conversation go out the door. When I, like Father's Day, for example, is a national holiday, and for for since I've been alive, I never seen it ever like a big holiday. Like yeah. it's not really a big holiday. You know, you might get a little coffee mug and things like that, but why I don't see like girls like Ari and stuff flying out her baby daddy or I don't know treating her baby daddy flying them out oh happy father's day you're a good father I don't know they they I see Ariana get these big trucks Jada you know get these big trucks but when it comes to their baby daddies and they boyfriends or whatever you want to call their husbands how come they don't get the same treatment why they don't get like the biggest scrap like girls they 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 do like a little fake stuff give them probably a lot of flowers or you know, they send them, they don't do nothing big like the men do. Men got to go all out for their girl. But when it comes to girls, girls don't go, go all the way out because we take it. Uh, if a girl if a girl decides to take it out to dinner, we be like, man, she took me out to dinner. I, I, I like her. But that's nothing, though. We mm. do that all the time for girls. We do that for on first date. But when a girl does it to us, we got to be like, man, she did that? It's just a surprise because we know girls is not really built like that. So it really comes from just women, women. And women's more sentimental than than men. So a one like even when I like me having a girlfriend and stuff, I've realized like I will probably buy her a Louis bag, but she'll probably for my birthday she'll probably do more something more sentimental by having a keychain with a heart of us in the thing that might cost fifty dollars. But it's sentimental, so it means a lot. Like you know, that's that's the different mindsets men and women have. So that's basically why I th- I feel like Father's Day is not as same thing because men go harder for women in terms of money wise, while girls rather do more sentimental stuff, probably in house at home, not really like a big outside thing. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like, well, as men in that aspect, as uh, like parental is underappreciated because when it's Mother's Day, you know, your woman, I'm, I don't have a child, but your woman is going to be like, she's going to drag you on, like, yo, you, I need something, or it's going to pound in her head from social media, yo, XYZ did this for XYZ, why can't I get with the treatment that they're getting? And it's like, men, I know I'll, if I see something, I'm like, yo, why did you know it's reverse i never ask nobody hey uh can i get something for xyz my birthday i don't really care so i feel like we don't really care about it but it'd be nice sometimes to receive gifts man for doing what we're supposed to do i say that get out of jail free card is uh, that that's 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 sentimental shit is a get out of jail free card you know yeah. what i mean because at, at the end at the end of the day you know we as men, and, and this we me and Duff have talked about this on many, 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 many episodes. It's just like there is nothing more important than actually having a male in the household. You know, there is nothing more important than having your I will die on that hill. There is nothing more important than having your father in that household. And I mean, a lot of us didn't have that, you know what I'm saying, growing up. And like, you know, sometimes that works very well. You know, you overcome, you supersede. Sometimes it does not. And we have seen a lot of times where it does not. And it's just like, because of all of that, a lot of times comes from just not having a father, not having your dad or a father figure in the household. So on a day such as Father's Day, (laughs) a little bit more than a stupid ass tie or a coffee mug from the dollar store would be appreciated. (laughs) You know, because a lot of times, like a lot of these houses are the houses and households that men build. You know what I'm saying? I'm not taking that credit away from women, but long and behold, when there's a man 
in the household that is that man's household <laughs> at the end of the day. And, but we're always taught to, you know, be behind, be the background, be the backbone. Well, you can't walk without a backbone. <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 it starts to, it starts to like almost like circumvent, you know, in, in our lives. And everybody says, oh, I don't need a dad. I don't need a man. Yes, you do. Regardless of whatever you may think. And yes, another, you do. Another sad thing, you know, um, a lot of men, some, on the other hand, men do need to step up and want to be fathers, though. Um, I've been seeing way too many mothers have, like recently, like our generation from ages, I'm going to say our generation more like it was born in 96, but mm -hmm. 96 to like maybe like 90, 89. But, but I, I want to count the young generation too in our generation. Since we all in this space, we still see them. Like even though I'm 27, um, the 20, the 22 year olds, they kind of, it's kind of weird now because of how Instagram and everything is set up. So we all kind of in the same generation, even though we technically not, they be having, it's be too many baby mothers going, having baby showers, their baby daddies don't be there. Like, not there. I Bro, I've there. never seen one. I, like, it's like out of 10, I'll probably see like two with yeah, uh, that's a, it. A, a, a out of 10, I've probably seen one and a half. What? Yeah. Like he <laughs> no, barely maybe there. High. Maybe high. Yo, it's so, it's rare. It's so rare. It's so, and yeah. I'm talking about, and we want to go far from the last two years, from 2020 to 2022. Because 2020 had all those pandemic babies coming. But from, from that time, for those two years, I don't, you know, it, I, from New York, Philly, and Delaware, that's like where most of my followers is from in D.C., the DMV area. I, I probably, I don't, like, uh, 40, 40 to 50, and probably three of them had daddies. Yeah. And, or if they didn't have had daddy, the daddy probably came later and probably felt bad and, and finally took a picture with them at their first birthday when they maybe turned one. So it was stuff like that, but they it be it's bad out here in the street. And also, women got to stop having um, babies with people that's not your boyfriends too. I thought yeah. like, I was a yes. girl. <laughs> I was a girl. I'm not gonna tell. I hate hate having this conversation with um with girls, but I'm gonna be like, yo, I, uh, every man gonna want to go raw probably or want to go and do it because it's just like if they not getting the right feeling, you know, men men dumb, we dumb. But it's your, you're the one that got to hold a baby for now. If I have to hold a baby for nine months, I'm being super protective. I swear to God, I, if I don't want a baby, I'm being super protective because carrying a baby for nine months is different than a man just doing it. He's not really thinking about it because he's like, maybe she'll get it to take the pill or maybe she's not going to keep it. Or he, like, he's not really thinking about because he don't want to carry a baby for nine months. You do. Not at all. So your mindset got to be, oh, I got to protect myself better. Woman got to protect themselves better, too. It goes hand in hand. You can't, you could blame men for, for, for going in. It takes two. But at the end of the day, it's still, it goes, it's on you. It's really, it's and on you. What me, me and Duff had this conversation privately. But, like, you know, what, what I always say is that if there was, and if there was a man in that in that scenario, like a father figure, and allowed that to happen, shame on him, shame on him, not happy father did to him. But if there was a father present in that scenario, eight out of those ten babies would not have been that would not have happened. Not saying they wouldn't be born, but I'm saying that scenario in itself probably would not have happened. Because I, I like to say this a lot of times. We see a lot in our in our culture for some reason that it's usually prime and then a baby shower. There is no expectation to get married. There's a lot of there's a lot of lack in terms of, hey, 
I want a life partner. You don't even have to be married. You want a life partner. Life partner. You know yeah, I mean? it's not that. It's just like a one night stand type of situation. Yeah, and, and it's like fucking... happen. But exactly. And, but people say mistakes happen, but it's like at the end of the day, you that's a you can prevent that mistake from happening. All all you have to do is practice safe sex, literally. So I don't understand when people say, "Yo, mistakes happen sometimes." No, if you in the moment and you. If you're really consciously thinking, which I know most of us men aren't in that in that no. moment, then no. but so the mistake is on you. But it's, it's both, like he said, it's both parties, in my opinion, because like she can just tell him you'll wrap it up, or he can be and, like, you know what, I'm about to wrap it up, and then guess what? No baby, no STDs, no uncurables, and that's just what it is. And it's, it's crazy to, to Duff's point, you know, and we, we again we've talked about this, but I it's almost it's almost strange to me. Because I, a lot of times, and I know sometimes they don't like to hear this, but I ask the question anyway. You either not answer it or you don't. I always ask, did you want him to be the father of your child? And then a lot of them, they'd be like, well, no, but this is just what it is. And I'm like, I'm not taking care of something because that's just what it is. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as, as a human, like, you shouldn't want to have to burden yourself with just it is what it is. It's not always it is what it is, especially when you allowed you know, that to happen. There was not one quality that you saw in that guy that said, you know what? I want him to be the father. And black women do need a, um, like when you have a baby like that, it's, it's, it's apps called Tinder and Hinge. I be seeing my friends be writing in the group chat. Bro, it's, it be some girls that's just ridiculous. You just had a baby and now you're on Hinge. Like you literally have your baby is five days old, a month old. Like girl, you have to now find yourself now like you have a baby don't why are you looking for a new man like no guy our age is going to take care of that baby i don't care how you are i don't care how bad you think you look i don't care how big your thing is listen you're no man going like you have to find yourself he might you might find someone later once they but you gotta get now you gotta become on your stuff like because if your if your baby dad's not gonna be there for you and you rely on his child support when technically he probably don't work most because a lot of people, men, black men who, who do this don't really work. So they probably do other stuff. They work a different way than what we what we do. So they you're not getting that much money off that um, child support. So now you got to work. So now, but with men, and this is another thing. A lot of I just the only thing I probably disagree with Kevin Samuels where he said that um, men don't really care about women's money. All right, it, it, it's truth to that, but. I, I do want my girl and wife to, to be somebody. Like, yeah. I don't want yes. you to be like a Ariana or, like, I want you to be somebody. Like, oh, what do you do? Oh, she, oh I'm a lawyer out of here. Like, all right, I might pay all the bills, but she, at least she's a lawyer. Like, if I, I feel comfortable that she's not living off me. Like, like I know it's just the mindset. Like, I don't want my girl to feel like she's, that I'm, I'm taking, like, I'm her father now. Like, I you want know, to be like a mutual thing. Doc, that's an interesting point you brought up. And, you know, it's a difficult conversation to have because a lot of times, like, the women we end up marrying or the women we end up having kids with do not <laughs> look like any of those chicks on Instagram at all. Because, like, I don't know about you, Doc, but I know me and Duff have both had these scenarios separately. Those women that look like that are almost intolerable. Like, I cannot be in a room with, you know, a woman that looks like that longer than 15 minutes done it been there done that and i'm like yo you are stupid and i don't i don't use that word a lot i don't i don't like to call people stupid but there are some times when i'm sitting there where it's just everything is what you see yeah 
that's it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't rock off what you see. I, I really at that, I'm at that age where it's like that shit was cool when I'm in college. But now if you can't talk to me longer than 15 minutes without giving me TikTok headlines, I'm not interested. Yeah, that, that's, that's just me. That's annoying too when, when when people talk in Instagram and TikTok term. But that 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 though, and I, I met some some girls who's who talk like that, and they're not necessarily like like girls like Ari and I keep using Ari because that's like the main figure. Like she's like the top one girl at that thing. So that's why I keep using Ari. But it's other, it's a lot of other girls like industry-wise. But um I met our generation is messed up a little bit. I think we might we're gonna have marriage for black people is going to be even going lower because a lot of men are not going to be able to tolerate it's, it's not going to be worth it because you know why it's not going to be worth it we look at it like this why am i paying for everything for you and i can't even really trust that you're not going to cheat on me because you go outside so much you still go outside even if you want to keep your girl in the house all right cool i don't even know i really like you like like i feel like it's not a fair deal sometimes when the man got to pay for everything and you don't do nothing. And it's like, yo, what's the fair deal? In this case, I might as well just live by myself, right? I'll probably have more food. In the, you can't cook. These girls can't even cook. That's the other thing. No. Cooking better than girls. Like, it's really embarrassing. Like, I'd be cooking better than some girls. Like, the, the things they can make, they love making shrimp alfredo. You could go on YouTube and, and how to make shrimp alfredo. That's the only thing girls know how to make is shrimp alfredo. I swear to God. That's the number one thing girls make in our age group. Shrimp alfredo. My mother was could cook. My grandma could cook. So I'm used to certain meals. And you can't make like those meals. It's just like, what's the point? I might as well be single, do what I do. And I, I, you save a lot of money not even having a girlfriend these days because they all they yes. do. All they do is, is go to Justin LaBoy page and be like, hey, if your man not doing this, everybody want to be treated like little baby girlfriend. You're, first of all, I'm not little baby, one. Two, that's a fantasy. That's not real life. Three, his money, I ain't gonna lie, that man makes a million, million, million dollars for now, but we'll see how it goes in the future. But I'm not that, and most Americans aren't like that. So you got to get off the yeah. Instagram. And it's really yeah. annoying. Kind of annoying to date today. That's that's my number one thing that I hate now is like people have those Instagram expectations because they see it off of Instagram and they like yeah like I just previously said they see the fantasy that's portrayed on Instagram and they try to emulate that to real life and you're not gonna get that because one I don't have a million dollars constantly coming into the bank I can't give you what you want now and I'm a broke ass nigga to you like that don't make sense I can't provide how can I provide because I bought you a Gucci bag that don't make sense. Now they say they say they are gonna say that you broke because you can't yeah. do it, right? But then they gonna find this the mindset though. This the mindset that girls do today. They gonna call broke because you can't do it, right? They are gonna find a scammer, the scammer who who been rich, quote unquote, for two months now, and now you with him for two months, and now his pieces not hitting the same, everything not coming the same. Now he go through a five month drought, and mind you, these kids. That be scammers and stuff. The regular dudes. We're not talking about the rappers, people that we know famous. Mm. We're talking about the local skin because these girls can't reach little baby. So they go after the guys who look like little baby. Yeah. Like in Texas, when you go to my Instagram, some people would say I'm flashy, but I feel like that's more like a New York thing for me. But mm -hmm. we're talking about guys who's willing to get these renties and get Rolls Royces every weekend, right? That's so temporary because they don't have a crib. They don't have. They never had their own crib. 
No right. money in the bank. They don't have no money in the bank. So you make all this money. You, <laughs> about, you made 100K. You made 100K. You made 100K during the pandemic. Cool. During all those Santana scams. You made, you made all that money in those four months with nothing to show for it. You don't own nothing. So now you with him. You'd be like, damn, he don't even get that much money. You with him for five months. You've been giving you cry, but you love him now because you know girls get emotional now. Another thing about girls is, yeah, they might talk to you for the money, but once they with you, you keep dealing with them. It turns mm -hmm. into more emotion. Now it's like, man, he broke now, but now it's like, I love him and I can't get you know, can they get too attached? Like that's why Young Miami, all those songs they play is nonsense because. Girls are still emotional creatures. These girls, the money only lasts so long until they get that emotional. And after a month, a girl start love you. What's a girl love you? It's a rap. It don't matter how much money you got. She gonna love you for you. She don't love you for the money. That's why. It's Let me so tell you something. Let me tell you something. I had I had somebody before my situation. Now I had somebody come to me when I was twenty four. I'm about to be twenty five next month, so I'm I'm counting myself as twenty five. But like early twenty four, I had somebody, a woman who had no job. No car, couldn't cook, came to me and told me that 100K a year ain't enough. I said, well, what you got? I said, 100K a year ain't enough. Enough for who? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's these lives that they live, like, and, 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 it, and it kills me. You know, my, my whole thing was when I wanted to find a woman that I could be with was that they could not be engulfed in, like, social media. Social like, they media. had to have yep. a turn it off button. Because I promise you that the way I live, granted, I've been fortunate enough to have education, have a master's degree, have good money, make good money, have my own shit. Me and Dove, obviously, we talk about it. We own our own business. I don't live like those people. And I don't aspire to live like, even if I had a million dollar salary, I still wouldn't live like those people. Because you're paying, I was just at the mall today, and I was looking at, you know, uh, an anniversary gift, you know, for my partner. And... I went to these bag stores. I'm like, yo, this bag looks fucking terrible. Like, even the gold chain looks gold-plated, and the bag was $2,900. I said, yo, this bag looks terrible. But because it's a little piece of fucking plastic on it that says YSL, I'm like, yo, this shit is horrible. But that's what they like. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, that's a fact, man. That's crazy. Yeah, but Doc, I wanted I wanted to uh, get into some stuff that you do because you know what I'm seeing is you were doing a lot of sports stuff, and now more so a lot of the work that I've been reading and correct me if I'm wrong has been like you know a lot of criminal justice work, like reporting about like you know a lot of violence in Philadelphia. Can you can you walk me through how you see Philadelphia like right now? Um, but the reason that's what it is. My my goal is to just be strictly sports, but sometimes. Um, this industry, the sports thing might not come, and sometimes the money don't match up to what the role is. So mm. for me, like I always tell people, like you got to be diverse. Even though I want to do sports, the news thing and politics and writing about crime and things like so. PHL, I do everything. I write about whatever. I write about crime, sports, um, the local. Museum, Juneteenth, rip, reparations, anything, um, governor stuff. So I could write about anything. I have control over it like that. But um, the reason I do local crime is because we still a news station at the end of the day. We're not a sports station. We're a news station. So I still got to do that news. So um, so even though I do Philadelphia writing, it's Philadelphia Eagles, Sixers, and Phillies, I also got to do the crime. But crime in Philadelphia, it really shocked me because I mean, I, I'm from Harlem and <laughs> being from New York, 
we we have crime, but they ain't slowed down in New York. And, and I always yes. say, I always say, um, people think crime in New York is so bad. I'd be like, listen, stop going off of. I'm like, if you on Instagram all day and you see the headlines, okay, cool. But the problem is with that, you gotta look at the numbers because the difference is, okay, New York have 485 homicides. That's not a lot. Like, that's from 2021. That's not necessarily a lot for how big New York City yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people people don't yeah, like, yeah, people don't understand that, yeah. Bro, New York City is humongous. So people think it's so bad because of the drill music. But it's not like I'd be like, yo, listen, you could walk safe in New York. It's, that's why you think I'd be like, why you think it's so many um, ca Caucasians in, in in Harlem and gentrified like that? Because it's not that bad as people think it is. Now Philly is different. Philly was different because then I'm like, I'm doing crime, and then the it's like when I look at the Philly numbers, it's like two million, three million people in the city. But the problem with the the city is in the Philly that this the way how it's set up, like the infrastructure, is different between like black people and white people. So like you could kind of get a feel when something happens. Oh, it's, it's probably was black, and when something happened here, it probably was white. And the infrastructure, way how it's set up, how that's just one I ninety five highway going through. See, New York is not like that. Where it's so many different parts. And Philly is here, 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 neighborhood, neighborhood, neighborhood. And then you have five hundred and with 560 or 580 homicides in a year and that broke the record and then when you also think about it it's the way how philly is see new york got a lot of gangs philly don't necessarily have gangs so the scary part about philadelphia shootings and homicides was it could be a random person a random day i could be at the gas station getting gas i'm licensed to carry a gun i'm not licensed to carry a gun i'm just saying but the person could be licensed to carry a gun and they try to protect themselves. And they just shoot a man in the head, and that counts as a homicide. But I'm a normal civilian. But it's him getting robbed by somebody with a ski mask, or just getting robbed. He got to protect himself. So it's so many crimes like that. Then it's so many like also the robberies. It just so it's just so much crime going on. It's not only the shooting. It's just robberies. It's carjackings. Oh my god, carjackings. It's the kids' fights. And then you keep seeing trauma like 14-year-old dad, 12-year-old dad, 13-year-old Caucasian boy shot the police and police shot back and shot him. Like those stories right there, you don't see that everywhere. And I always say Philadelphia is more dangerous than Chicago because Chicago, Chicago's um, beefs only happen in like a section. Perception, so everything yeah. is in the section in Chicago. Like this is, and I always say New York crime was, was back in the 90s was insane because it happened in every borough. It didn't matter. Italians, mob was going crazy. The the drug game. New York had two thousand murders back then. See, that's crazy. Two thousand homicides is ridiculous. That's but, ridiculous. Um, but now Philadelphia thing is you could have a shooting in Center City, and that considered in Center City is considered downtown. So it, it's just crazy, man. I'm gonna give you some uh, statistics real quick. So in Philadelphia in last year. We eclipsed over 2,600 shootings, just 2,600 shootings in the city. We eclipsed over 550 homicides. We haven't had that number since 1960. That record was held since 1960. And on top of that, that number is up 17% because of armed robbery. 
And you know, I go to I go to New York at least once every other month, and that's why like, I love I love the fact that you like from Harlem because when I go to New York, I go to Harlem. I'm right at one two fifth, but now I'm more down. I'm down like one seventeenth now because my homie just moved. So like I'm I'm always I'm always in Harlem, and I, and I love it. And it's crazy when I look at it because like when I first started going to New York, I used to be like, damn, like you know, like this it's New York City. But now it's like, yo, bro, Harlem's almost more safe to walk around. In my own neighborhood <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's, it's crazy. good vibes it's, it's good vibes like so i was in this group i'm still in the group but we different now um a little falling out but it was in a group called most love he's still cookouts we was like a big thing in harlem like harlem was known for like we had cookouts and stuff like we get get light get dance like harlem even me growing up was never technically bad and the bronx was bad I can always tell. I'm not, I'll tell you a story. We we do another interview one day. I get like growing up in New York, how it was. I I I try, I try to lay it out for everybody from each year time zone, the music wise, what, what changed, what didn't change, how Cameron and stuff. Like it's a lot of stories of Harlem people don't know unless you're really from Harlem and you know people like my like Big L was my basically my uncle, but he passed away. So really, Wait, Big L was your uncle? Yeah, if you go on my like we don't. Like, how can I say this? Like, if he was alive, like when he was alive, I was call him uncle. Turns out that um, it's just that my cousin, so my father, they by marriage. So we all by marriage. So, but he's from 141st. I'm from okay. 139th. But our families had got together, basically. So there's we, a mural of him right by the liquor store. I forgot what street it's on, but there's a nice mural of him like right next to the liquor store. Like yeah, that's, on the block, that's on the block I'm from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's 40th, I'm from 139th. Mm-hmm. If you go on my Instagram, it's, it's a picture of me with Big L. I was three years old. Yeah, I was just listening. He's he. I, I like Big L, man, because he had a couple songs that I really like. Like Ebonics, one of my shits, man. I'm real. Yeah, all my family's in that video. But um, but I'm trying. What I'm trying to explain is um, it's just certain things that happened in New York growing up. I, I like to lay it out, but um, but yeah, it's just different in the city, and cities, and I understand and I understand it. So Philadelphia city was so crazy because the gang violence. It's no gangs. Like I, I don't see the gangs. I see rap beefs though. I see I see the rap beefs, don't get me wrong. But that's different than actually being blood or crip or being YG and being folk. Like we understand it. I didn't understand I don't understand the crime sometimes because it didn't and the way it just be so easy the way how Philadelphia buildings are set up. Cause y'all got like houses and New York is not houses. We got like big buildings. And if you want to go kill somebody, so you gotta go into the projects. You gotta do too much in Philly. And you go outside on your stoop, somebody just come by and it's just it's just easy. So it's just Philly's a danger zone, man. And I don't I don't go outside like that in Philly. I'd be cautious. So Harlem's not like that at all. Harlem's good vibe. The Bronx, uh he's <laughs> a Brooklyn, you good in Brooklyn. Like it's Brooklyn's so big, you good. Like I'm saying some places in the Bronx, you are good though, but you you do gotta be cautious. But 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 it, the Bronx is basically like the whole Philadelphia. Like why, like that type of why. So that's why the crime. I feel like Philadelphia should be. I feel like Philadelphia should be a city where Biden should look at. You from Delaware? I feel like like or Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I see Kevin Hart got memorial faces on um, blocks and stuff. I'd be like, yo, I never heard your voice though. Like I always be like, I always say, you. He probably has low key establishment somewhere doing stuff. Everybody do. But that doesn't. But where's your voice? That you're not speaking up, like you're not doing nothing. Like we got, we got to see you in the field. Today is Juneteenth. You should have been in the field today. Like those things matter, and they don't. 
Like, what else if you made a career officer in Philadelphia, West Philadelphia? You posted, you made another show called um, Bel Air. Why are you not- worried about slapping niggas? Yeah, you, you, him, you, like, you're supposed to be in your city. Your city is, is right now, to me, it should be, even though Chicago might be still the murder capital, but I feel like this should really be the murder capital. Like, it needs to stop. I agree. I agree. And now there has been rumors, and I definitely want uh, you know you and Dub's opinion on this. There has been rumors that you know Pennsylvania itself is completely night and day to um, to Philadelphia. You know, like like Pennsylvania, it, it, it's heavy heavy farmland, heavy you know former like factory yeah. shit or whatever. So a lot of, and a lot and really spread out. But a lot of the what's going on in Philadelphia is the complete opposite. Everybody's real condensed. There's a lot of gun. There's a lot of gun violence, and that's because of how loose, like Pennsylvania's gun laws are, because of how the rest of the state looks. Pennsylvania's a huge state, believe it or not. And you know, a lot. What's going on now in the city is that you know there's rumors. Not saying they're true yet, but there's rumors going around that the, the state of Pennsylvania may actually allow Philadelphia to change its gun laws based off of the violence that's in the city. Do you feel like that would be like a positive or a negative? Just talk, both of y'all, just talk to me, like talk me through that process. What do you think? Go ahead, Duff. Oh, okay. nah, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I guess it would be a positive. I mean, there's already guns that circulated throughout the city. So I guess you just got to sweep now, but besides that, that's really not going to help nothing in my opinion. It, it needs more law enforcement. They need to crack down on what's happening, really get into what's really happening. And, uh, yeah, they're just letting people kill them, kill each other now. That's all they're doing now. They're not really solving any cases or nothing. People just like, oh, he's he's dead. That's another number on the board. So that's how I feel about it. I feel like they're not really doing their job. And if you go on the city website, you can actually apply to be a police officer. So you know that they're uh, short staff with police. They need uh, more law enforcement. Better uh, laws, though. Outlaw, um, Commissioner Outlaw, she said it. She said it um, multiple times on our station that they short staff. And uh, they even allowing, um, hopefully this word get out more. I've been, been saying that they allowing people from different states. So you don't got to live in Philadelphia or there's Pennsylvania. You could live in New York and apply for Philadelphia. And you don't need residency. And you could be a police officer in Philly. But the problem with the police officer thing, um, I got to answer the other question. Police, people that want to be law enforcement is looking at it like, yo, why would I be a police officer in Philadelphia when I can make the same money being a, a state trooper and don't have to deal with this ridiculous crime? So they look like, I might as well take the easy way out. Like, I don't have to, I'm not being in a field in the city. I could just go to the PA. And, and it makes sense because most of people who work in Philadelphia, don't live in Philadelphia. A lot of people live on the outskirts. And I and I learned that way. It's like people rather live in Chester or Delco. I don't think Delco's kind of on as Philadelphia, right? Yeah. People, but those are right next to Philadelphia, but people don't live in Philly. They they rather live on the outskirts. So when you live on the outskirts, police officers look like, yo, I could just live in the outskirts, Philadelphia right there. If I want to get some good food, probably drive 15 minutes there, but I could work in this district. Like, you know, people, like I don't live in Philadelphia. I live in Wilmington. People told me Wilmington was bad. I, I don't see it. But um, I but um, yeah, I'm I, I don't live there. A lot of my coworkers don't live in Philly. Only like two people probably live in Philly and anything about moving out. And a lot of people who was born and raised in Philadelphia even moving out of Philly. A lot of people even was moving to Atlanta. 
I was that was weird. I was like Atlanta, but a lot of people moved to Atlanta, outskirts of Philadelphia, outside of like in Pennsylvania, like a little more uptown, uptownish. So a lot of people don't live there. So that's I think that's the reason why the police officer thing. But about the guns, I'm gonna be quick and then um, let you go. Um, I feel like what they need to do, you gotta do what New York did. You gotta get stop and frisk, and you get more. Wow. In, yeah, you gotta get stop and frisk, and you gotta just do what Bloomberg did. Bloomberg changed New York City for the good. The reason for that, it might come off as racist, and it, and it did. But the difference between now and then is that police officers now know that you can't do that, keep doing that racist stuff. You feel me? Like you can't. Like it's not. You're not gonna be able to get away with it as you did back then. Shall I say? Like, come on, that was the early 2000s. Now, as of today, if you bring my stuff in frisk, it won't really look like how it looked back then because people got their camera phones. They're gonna be waiting for you to do something that's that's um that's like racist or whatever or. Or like you just being racist, but it, I don't feel like it's going to be that bad. That's why you need stopping first because these guys are just carrying guns, and you got to get the guns off. So stopping first, and like Bloomberg did, if you got a gun, five years each bullet a year. If you do that, I'm telling your city will change. Bloomberg did it. He changed New York City. New York City was horrible in the '90s. Literally in 2000, you could see the difference. It's, it's YouTube videos. Look at the transition from New York City, how downtown used to look all throughout the years. And then you change into the early 2000s. You look at it like, damn, New York City did a complete 360. Gentrification really started the late 90s, but really to early 2000s in Harlem. But it just started changing and he did it. So, and I don't like gentrification, but the problem with that, that's on us now. We got to buy blocks back. That has nothing to do with all the other politics stuff. Gentrification is more on black people not knowing oh, stop selling your homes and then leaving and think you got a good deal. No, you would have kept your home. Like, you know, that's more of a black person thing. That's not really, you know I mean? We let white people in Conda in a way. Like, you know, things are changing, but your rent didn't necessarily go up because we owned it. You own it. So if you own it, it don't really go up. That's, that's another misleading thing. No matter how many buildings they, they built as apartment buildings, that's cool. They built it, but um, that's us. That's our fault because we never bought it. Like it, things don't things wasn't always apartments. They was more like uh, I think it's called condos, and you could actually buy it and own it, own your condo in the apartment. Like my mother did that, and a lot of people didn't buy it. They wanted to just leave it and let the wipers come in and buy it. So quite yeah, do, do the research. A lot of times in Philadelphia, what we see, especially I'm going to say more so with business owners, is a lot of times that the people who operate the business don't own the building. You know, so yeah. so you know, and and the building is either owned by an individual or type of person, you know, that's not African-American and doesn't live in the neighborhood, you know, so they could, they could give two shits less about like what happens to the neighborhood because they just own the building in the neighborhood. There's no, there's no reinvestment, you know, and, and that's, and that's the, a lot of the problems. Like what, well, we could talk about this all day, but in, in terms of, you know, the violence in terms of the reinvestment and the terms of actually understanding like the total, like cultural makeup of, of Philadelphia is 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 a task that not a lot of people feel like doing. So, um, stop and frisk is is definitely something that that's interesting. You know, it's it's, it's interesting because I don't know if that because the way city council works in Philadelphia, that it's it's like ninety percent black, like ninety or eighty seven percent black. So I don't know if that would be perceived well by them. But I mean, it would. That's definitely a quick fix to you know what would 
what would go on. You know, you wouldn't see a lot of the crime, but stop and frisk in Philadelphia would, would be ridiculous. Like, I, I, that would definitely move a lot. It, it would change overnight. It would change, it would change the city overnight. And the only, the main problem we have in today's society, right, when it comes to police officers versus um, pedestrians and black people, right? So I can see you, and I know that, like you like me and Duff, I see that you like me, like we are, we are black, but but we're like, you know, we probably was raised in the hood, but we have like a sense of mind. We know the difference between us and somebody probably like, I, Meek Mill is different, but I'm gonna say Meek Mill when he first started up, right? We know the difference, but they can't see the difference. No. They can see black, so that's the that's another problem. Is like I I could tell when a dude's gangster or tough or he's up to no good, and I can also tell when a black person is just he's a civilian black person. But they can't they can't tell the difference between. They the just two. see black, so they just see that's the problem. So that's and that's a society thing when it comes to white people, and and I and it's just, they have a a mindset. They think that oh you gotta wear a suit for me to know that you're not. A bad apple, and that's not necessary. That's bull crap. Now, that's the problem. So that's what we need to get people, to un- white people, to understand, and not only white people, Asian people too. Asian people is another pe- people that we, we we never talk about because they they build stuff in our neighborhoods for years. A Chinese store in our neighborhood for years, and then try to kick us out and get mad at us. You in our neighborhood? They've been in for years, but they never they never show how much the black people. They don't care. They don't never care. But but we don't say nothing about them because it's just. They just we just let them do what they want because we, we eat they food. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. We are we are approaching almost time here, Doc. But I do want if there's anything else you would like to add, please like just drop us all like drop the knowledge on. Let us know. You got the floor. Go ahead. Um, I don't have nothing else. Um, I just appreciate my time. Thank you for um, bringing me up here. Um, I look forward to to rewatching it and liking it. Um, yeah, I have fun doing this. I like I like this podcast. I like. I just like doing podcasts now. I don't know. I just it's a new thing. I like talking, having conversations. So, um, yeah. Anytime, I'm, I'm happy to come back, and I'm glad that we was able to find a time and, and do this. Find it on Twitter Spaces. That's crazy, right? Dog, listen, man. Listen, that's that, that's wild. I mean, that's that's the that's the king of Twitter right there, over there to the right. Not me. Like he he's he's the he's the connoisseur of Twitter. But listen, listen, man. Like Doc, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Duff, you have any closing statement? No, no closing statements. No closing statements. Well, this is the podcast and show show. I've been your host, Vanessa Belli. I'm here with Duff No Beer and my man, Doc Lou Allen. Don't call him by his first name. Call him by Doc. All right, everybody. Listen, appreciate everyone. Have a good day, all right? Thanks, yeah. Peace and love. Peace and love.